By the time you hear this podcast, you will appreciate every little kiss. Welcome to By the Time You Hear This Podcast. I'm Greg. I'm Ben. And we're back with episode 125. That's a lot. Woo! <laughs> Thank you to everyone who's listened so far. Um, we definitely appreciate it. Uh, and if you want to tell people how we can be found, you know, just so just so you'll know, so they'll know. And you need a little checklist or something to that effect. You can go to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash by the time you hear this. Um, you can follow us there, like the page, share the page, tell people about it. Yes. Yeah, spread the word. And the uh, URL is spelled Y O U on Facebook. If you want to follow us on IG or the gram, depending on your demographic, <laughs> you can follow us at by the time you hear this which is spelled with the letter U because we're urban. Yes. Yes, we are. And if you want to email us, we're at, by the time you hear this same spelling as the IG, uh, by the time you hear this at gmail.com, send us your comments, questions, concerns, show ideas. And if you're an independent artist, we'll play your music for absolutely free. And we'll eventually get back to the indie artist, indie Instagrammer of the week segment. Um, because some people are following my personal Instagram <laughs> and they're artists. And like, I, I, I don't know what you follow me for. But <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Um, and if you want to listen to us on the go, um, you know, put your headphones in and 
avoid that uh, annoying coworker because you still have to go into the office every once and again. So oh, that, that, uh, that annoying coworker who um, is talking about how Beyonce's blackest king is talking about uh, black Satanism and giving you all of the uh, the images that would suggest something to that effect. Is that the latest thing about yeah. that now? Yeah, even though what she's wearing is actually like representing fertility and life and nature and stuff. But some people are like, no, it's black Satanism. See, that's Illuminati. So if you want to avoid the person who wants to bring that up every time they see you, you can put your earbuds or ear pods or your Beats headphones on and listen to us on the go. If you have an, uh, an iPhone, you can listen to us on the Apple Podcast app. If you have an Android, we were on the Google Music app for the time being because they're moving some things around, so it'll eventually be Google uh, Podcast. Yeah, because I got an email today about it. <laughs> so, okay. So uh, That's cool, yeah. I guess. <laughs> uh, you can also listen to us on uh, TuneIn Radio, uh, Overcast, Castbox, Auto Radio, the podcast app, Play.fm, Castro Podcast, Pocket Cast, Satchel Podcast Player, and any other podcast aggregate app. And of course, we are on Spotify. And if you want to look for us uh, based on a, uh, a search engine of some sort, you can go to listennotes.com and our last episode. We did a Because Five uh, Kanye West songs. So if you start searching, uh, search Kanye West, there may be some other people who are talking about, you know, him running for president or whatever that was supposed to be. Uh, but with our episode, we gave our top five songs of his discography and uh, celebrated and mourned the old Kanye. So um, let's get to some music news, man. Um well, before we get to that, we I, I I wanted to make this a segment in which we ask each other what music we've been listening to recently. Okay. Uh, so, Ben, what have you been listening to? Uh, a lot of okay. So I'm I can't believe I'm going to admit this on here, but um, I'm going to stick by my long time. Um, there are no such things as guilty pleasures. <clears throat> so. As long as I've um, you, I, I've never known that to be true. So, <laughs> so, um, because a lot of my music is is that I've been because I'm still working on my EP, and a lot of it's very pop rocky, and very adult contemporary. Um, in addition to Chris Allen's album, um, which is called I'm looking it up now, it's a really good album. Um, the uh, Letting You In, which is a really good adult contemporary style album. I listen, I've been listening to that, but I've also listened to from front to back. I can't believe I'm about to admit this. Jesus. Uh, measure of a man by clay Aiken. Hmm. Yeah. The, uh, 2000, I think 2003, that 2004 the one, debut. Right? Yeah. That was the debut. Yeah. Okay. So right, right after American idol, he was still, he was still pop. That was the one that had invisible on it. That is correct. That was 2003. Um, he was the what second runner-up, um, or the first runner-up or whatever for um, the second American Idol to Ruben Stutter, Ruben, yep. um, which typically means if you're the first runner-up, that means you got to make the better album because you got to have creative control 
which many um, singers will find out later. And I know we talked about that on our episode about American Idol. You just typically get to make the album that you want. Uh, speaking of American Idol, real quick. Uh, well, one, the, the exception is Justin Guarini because he was second. And I think his album sold maybe 25 copies. Uh, they say it went wood. It went, it went wood. <laughs> I don't know. That's that's pretty high. It might have went well. You know, wood makes paper. So it, it, did yeah. it go dirt? Paper, went dirt. Did it go paper. <laughs> but um, I didn't. You seen those commercials? I feel like I mentioned this before, but uh, the Dr Pepper commercials with the character named Lil Sweet. Oh yeah, he's great in those. He, I didn't know that was him. Yeah, they had to start putting that it was so people would know. Yeah, so I I that's what, something I found out recently. But yeah. Um, sweet. <laughs> um so that's what so so a, adult contemporary um <clears throat> but they were on a music competition show. That's what you Yeah, essentially. You yeah, so and it's funny because yeah, Chris Allen also was one of those guys who did not win but was a runner up and made some some you know okay albums but this one is really really good it's got a i can't describe it i mean it's like adult contemporary with a little bit of um with a bit of soul he's got a good voice i mean to get on that show typically you had to unless you were sanjaya but um he's also a really good writer probably a better writer than we would have known because of the show Mm. and he lets it come through um i even saw him do one of the songs from the album that i really liked um, he did a quarantine session, which a lot of musicians have been doing them. And it's just him on uh, like the rooftop of his apartment, I guess, wherever he lives. And he does the song and it's him playing guitar and singing. And it's, it's quite magnificent. And it, I can only think that uh, he was probably being held back a little bit on American Idol. Because I know he played guitar a little bit, but like he's grown. He's almost unrecognizable from what he was on the show. Hmm. Okay. Um. I've been listening to um, my the the obscure eighties playlist, but okay. Uh, also, I've been kind of venturing back to. Um, I don't know if people are familiar with a genre called electro, and electro in the late seventies, early eighties, you could confuse it with early hip hop, as far as mm-hmm. um, African bambata and. Um, Davy DMX, Cybertron, Mantronics, for those who know who any of those acts are, <laughs> uh, or people who know the song, uh, you know, the song Set It Off, like Set It Off, yeah, 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 that's that's electro, kind of okay, kind of, yeah, so stuff like that, um, very danceable stuff, yeah. And uh, so I've listened to a little bit of that, and um, I, I, my the Sophista Pop playlist when we had that episode. So the that was a good episode. Uh, that episode, that that playlist as well. So then, uh, well, that was some like Johnny hates jazz and Spandau Ballet. Yeah, and Sade and yeah, Screedy Politti. That's good stuff. And uh, the Style Council. So yeah. So you're, you're coming with this, like, intelligent music, and I'm just like, oh, yeah, Clay Aiken. It's <laughs> <laughs> just like, someone's going to, I just feel like someone's going to call me out on that 
it's not that bad of a record, but yeah, it sounds like you you've been listening to like real, you know, complex themes and. <laughs> I mean, you know, I don't live sophisticated, but my music is the music I like has been sophisticated. So that's that's what I have going for me right now. <laughs> um, so uh, in the music news that we can get to here, um, the VMAs. Uh, their nominations have come out. The uh, the awards will be at the end of the month, and uh, they're going to be live in a venue. Oh, so they're going to be at the Barclays Center in New York. Um, I wouldn't show up. I don't care how many the Nets aren't playing. So I mean, why not? Right? <laughs> yep, that's true. I mean, <laughs> even without the pandemic, the Nets aren't playing. Mm-hmm. But. Still, but in the in these times, I'm not showing up. I don't care how many nominations I have. Um, mm-hmm. so let's look at. There is no official host, of course. Let's look at the uh, the the I guess the major awards here. The video of the year, and I haven't I haven't watched a lot of music videos. Uh, I've heard a couple of these songs. So we got Billie Eilish, Everything I Wanted. Um, Eminem featuring Juice World, Godzilla. Future featuring Drake, Life is Good, Lady Gaga with Ariana Grande, Rain on Me, Taylor Swift, The Man, and The Weeknd, Blinding Lights. Uh, Rain on Me and Blinding Lights are the only videos I've actually seen of this group. I've not seen any of these videos, I don't think. I've heard a couple of the songs. I've heard Rain on Me. Um, Man, we're we're old. Yeah. Um, Artist of the Year. Post Malone, Justin Bieber, The Baby, Lady Gaga, Megan The Stallion, The Weeknd. All right. We had a big year dating back to last summer. Um, Song of the Year, Doja Cat, Say So, Billie Eilish, Everything I Wanted, Lady Gaga, Ari Grande, Rain On Me, Megan The Stallion, Savage, Post Malone, Circles, Roddy Rich, The Box. <laughs> the Box. I know a few of these. Okay. I'm not that old. <laughs> I know a few of these. Uh, the best new artists, Louis Capaldi, Doja Cat, Jack Harlow, Tate McRae, uh, Roddy Rich, and Youngblood. Okay. I've heard okay. Three I know Youngblood. That's interesting. I didn't know he was that new. Okay. Um, there's a, the other categories, curse, best collaboration, best pop, best hip hop, best R and B. Um, best K-pop, so they're doing that. Uh, best Latin, best rock. Okay, here are the best rock videos: Blink One Eighty Two for Happy Days. <laughs> I didn't know some of these bands were still around. <laughs> uh, Coldplay for Orphans. Uh, this is a a an, a future episode we've wanted to do, but somehow they're still around. Evanescence still in the league. Evanescence. What? There's a song called Wasted on You. I, uh-huh. I didn't know they were still around. Uh, Fallout Boy featuring Wyclef, Dear Future Self, Green Day they for... Had oh, yeah. Such an interesting video. Uh, Green Day and The Killers. Didn't for, know The Killers were still in the league. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, oh, snap. Uh, look at that best alternative. Now, that's interesting. All Time Low. <laughs> Phineas, I've never heard of Phineas. Lana Del Rey, Machine Gun Kelly. 
<laughs> yeah, Machine Gun Kelly. What the hell? The you know that Lana Del Rey? That's the that's a cover of the Sublime track, uh, "Doing Time." Oh, okay. Yeah, she got some flack for doing that. <laughs> uh, Twenty One Pilots. Okay. Um. No way. Best quarantine performance. Chloe and Hallie. Cinco. Never heard. It's a Latin American boy band. D nice. Really? <laughs> oh, and so. Lady Gaga, John Legend, and Post Malone. See, that was the Nirvana thing I told you about. Yeah. So three of these are were shown on MTV. So they just had to make up another. Anyway, yeah. um, yeah, and, they're uh, just trying. The Video Vanguard <laughs> Award has not been announced. Um, it was Missy last year, right? Last year it was Missy. Previous winners: Jennifer Lopez, Pink, Rihanna, Kanye, Beyonce. Um, who did they I give guess it to now? It hasn't been announced, but my guess would be Lady Gaga. Did, I mean, has, is has, there anybody did we say left? Pink got one already. Pink has one. Rihanna okay. has one. J Lo, Beyonce, Britney. Justin yeah, Lady Timberlake. Gaga kind of seems like it might be. I mean, I know she hasn't been around for a long time, but I mean, neither had Rihanna when she got it. So. Uh, Janet has one. Of course, Michael has one. It's named after him, even though he did not get the first one. Yeah. Was that the Bill Russell trophy? <laughs> yeah. Like Bill Russell, <laughs> Bill Russell never won finals MVP, but his last year, out. The, his last year in the league was the first year they gave it out. <laughs> so, <laughs> and, it, and and he, it, the, the thing is his last year in the league, the Celtics won the championship. They beat the Lakers, but <laughs> the finals MVP went to Jerry West. So, <laughs> it just, the, it's which so, was the first time, that's the first and only time a losing team has, the lo- or the losing, losing, yeah. The losing yeah, team had a finals MVP. Because, kids, that's how good Jerry West was. Yeah. I think he averaged like 38 in the series or something like that. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I, Lady Gaga, anybody else you can think of? I mean, no, I'm looking down the list right now to see who all has gotten it. And um, mm. so I wonder because so this was interesting, but I can't think of a, a someone who's um, Mark Romanek got it. Wayne Isham got it. People. Those are both directors, music video directors. Yeah, um, uh, Hype Williams. Now, too. Hype Williams, too. Now, I but I can't think of anyone now who is like that iconic of a director like they were back in the 90s and early 2000s to where well, you know you just knew someone it could be if as far as a video director because he's still making them and he's just as iconic he was up there with Hype Williams Dave Myers hmm, okay I didn't think about that maybe I mean I, I could think but I, I mean outside of that the only other person I could think of might be Lady Gaga like I can't think of like you don't give it to Selena Gomez. She just don't. I mean, she's her and Taylor Swift would maybe like in three or four years, maybe, but not right now. Not to mention, I've never felt like other than you belong with me. Taylor Swift never really was a video person to me. I granted, I know she's got twenty two, but those are whatever. Um, I mean, she's got um, uh, what was the one? Um, 
a blank space was yeah, an expensive looking okay. video. Yeah, she's got videos. I just don't like them. And I just um, don't. <laughs> Wildest Dreams looked expensive. Yeah. I'm just thinking the ones that looked expensive. A oh, Bad Blood. Never, of we are never getting the back. Oh, God. Bad Blood. She'll <laughs> win it based on that alone. Because she wouldn't have got all her friends. <laughs> She'll say, hey, guys, you want to be in a music video? Sure. And they just didn't invite the people they didn't like. So, like, Katy Perry wasn't there. <laughs> yeah. It might be Katy Perry, but... Ooh, I, I didn't think about that. Katy Perry's been around for a while. Even though maybe her last two albums have been trash? I wouldn't say necessarily trash. They just didn't live up to expectations. Um, they're, they're I listened to dream. Tsunami, and it wasn't as bad as it was billed to be. She, I think she released the wrong singles. The song with Amigos was absolute garbage. Um... But, I mean, she's been around since, God, what, 07, I think? When did I Kissed a Girl come out? <laughs> yeah, that was 07, 08. So, I mean, it could be her. I don't know. So yeah, yeah, that was 08. So, I mean, maybe. It's been, what, 12 years? I don't know. <laughs> um, They're running out of people. <laughs> so I, I I'm not sure if we talked about this in the last episode, maybe in passing, but um, I think we talked about it a little bit with uh, Lady Antebellum. There's still gonna be Lady Antebellum. Uh, it's now known as Lady A, but there is a blues singer from Seattle <laughs> named Anita White who goes by the stage name Lady A, and. Uh, Lady A, the band is suing Lady A, the singer over the right to use the name and they are no closer to a solution. And the uh, singer says, we thought about it in the beginning. when We first started talking about it, uh, about the attempt to come to an agreement to share the name. And she said, that's a way to bring people together, to bring artists together, to bring country music and blues and soul together. And I would have done it, but they still were not willing to give up anything. Uh, so what she had said is she was willing to, uh, help with a rebrand, um, and perhaps do a song together or participate in a documentary about the whole ordeal, but negotiations fell apart. And so far she says she doesn't see what the group is giving up in the bargain. So what do you think about that? She said, I'm not going to do this song and dance for you to make you woke. Then when the smoke clears, <laughs> I still have nothing. <laughs> so she was willing so, to do all these things. And she's like, wait a minute. What are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> what are you going to do? So first off, why, why are you even doing this? No one cares. Um, I feel like they're doing it to make the themselves. Band. Yeah, I feel like they're doing this to make themselves feel better, truthfully. Um, but in terms of what you don't want to do is stomp all over the black blues singer from Seattle, which I didn't know there are blues singers in Seattle. You don't want to stomp all over the black blues singer in Seattle when you're trying to make the point of how woke you are, that you're changing your name from Lady Antebellum, a name that I have never heard anyone complain about. Um, like it's like this didn't have to happen, but the fact that she seems to be so cooperative 
Um, but my thing is like, honestly, it's her name. She's had it for a long time. Just give her whatever she wants. If you, if you want the name that bad, give her whatever she wants. That's what you do. If they don't believe me, talk to, um, not audio. I think it was either audio slave or velvet revolver. When they formed, there was a band in Europe that had that name and they paid them a ton of money to buy that name. So if you want the name bad enough, you just, you do what you have to do to get the name. Yeah. If you're, if you're willing to share the name, okay, yeah. well, you know, I, I, she was willing to help with the rebrand because, you know, there's still, um, a big group, I guess I, I'm not paying attention to the country charts, but they're big yeah, enough. I mean, they're I still guess. big. They're kind of big in country. So she was willing to do these things, uh, to help. And you know, she, there'll be something in it for her a little bit. Yeah. But, um, they, she felt that she was the one giving and they weren't giving, but like you said, I mean, it doesn't probably felt like they're in a position. They didn't have to. No one really, like you said, no one is really saying anything about the name. No one was offended by it. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's some things that, that and this article's from Billboard. Uh, they asked, she was asked why she never applied for a trademark on her name. Uh, the band applied for a trademark on June 9th and made the announcement on June 11th. Mm. Um, she has six albums as Lady A. And she said, they knew I was there. They did not bother. People have said, well, you never made a big deal about it before. They go by Lady Antebellum. If Lady A is the nickname, it's a nickname. They didn't put out mm -hmm. any CDs as Lady A, so why would I mm -hmm. say anything? Yeah. <clears throat> so, yeah. I mean, it's kind of like she felt she didn't have to. Um, but, I mean, you never know. I mean, you. I think that not. I'm not blaming her at all because – this happened like in a matter of days <laughs> that yeah. the, that they just changed their name. So, um, but I think that with, you know, especially with your stage name, if that's how you're marketing and branding yourself, you got to own the name. Yeah. You have to own the name. So I'm not blaming her for not doing anything because everything happened so fast, but going forward for anybody who uses the stage name, own the name. Yeah. Um, I wonder if yeah. um, if their first album is still their self-titled album since they're no longer Lady Annabellum. <laughs> or do they go back and change it to Lady A and repress it and everything? I'm being stupid just because I think this is ridiculous. But... They actually uh, formally applied for a trademark in May 2010. Who did? Uh, late, the band. Oh, they filed it for a trademark of Lady A in 2010? Yeah. But it didn't... Oh, then... um... Uh, let's see. It says which was granted without dissent a year later. So they do have the, they got the trademark. So they own the name essentially. Yeah. Oh, then that's pretty clear cut. Then she needs to back down <laughs> if they own the name. That that kind of changes things then. But she didn't contest it before because hmm. that was a nickname not the name they put on their albums. Yeah. But she says, shame on me for not filing a trademark. I don't have big business behind me. I don't have big money behind me. I started out like any other artist start out. 
I started singing in three or four bands doing karaoke. When I started Lady A and the Baby Blues Funk Band, we were just a party band doing our thing. I was grabbing so gigs here and there, working a day job. <laughs> I was doing what people do, hustling and you know all that. So no, I don't have lawyers telling me you need to trademark that. I never once thought about it. So what's funny is going back to Melinda, um, her her um guests on her guesting on our show. Um, <laughs> that's one of the things that when you have a record company behind you, they're going to, they're going to make sure that you do. And it kind of sucks, but if they own the name, they own the name. I mean, it's I, that I was not aware of and that kind of changes things. And, you know, I know people don't like to hear that, but if you own the name, you own the name. Um, I thought this was just really like something like out of the blue. I didn't know this was a nickname for the band. Yeah. I guess that shows how little I know about them as well. Well, this would, I mean, a lot of people thought that they just did it this year, but due to, you know, some research, I mean, a lot of people, yeah. I mean, who know who's following trademark, uh, filings. Um, she also <laughs> <Direct> said, <laughs> she, <laughs> she also said, uh, dropping the antebellum isn't enough anyway. There's no a well, four I mean, year old can thing. know it's, that. Yeah. Yeah. It's pointless. It's 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 posturing. <laughs> it's just like, oh, like, we're no longer Lady Antebellum, we're Lady A. What does the A stand for? Nothing. <laughs> uh but she says, um uh, she didn't know what antebellum meant. Uh so she asked some people and she looked up for herself. And then she said to make that decision and to say you're shortening to Lady A before you even get to me to shorten it to Lady A is an insult to our intelligence. So stop that. Don't do that. That's not allyship. That's you pulling a PR stunt or being lazy about being woke. Hold on. Where's she from? Well, she's from Seattle. Seattle. Never mind. So how you know what Annabelle? But I mean, if you're not from down here, maybe you don't know. They asked her what she plans to do with the 10 million she asked for in a settlement. Um, we were going back and forth, and for one thing, that was supposed to be a negotiation. So she she just said, "I want ten million," and then you know, and she just said all they had to do was say, "Miss White, we don't want to do the five million. We're gonna we're gonna do we're gonna do five dollars, and then let's still share the name." They could have said that, but they didn't. Or well, I think they meant ten. This is a typo. We're gonna do five, and we'll share it. They could have said that, but they didn't. They thought they would shame me in the public eye by saying I tried to extort money from them. Really, I have a life. I have money of my own. I work a day job that I'm about to retire from, so I don't need their money. So is but, she so a they, full-time musician or does she work? At... She, she works a day job. Okay. And they, this... uh, they're they saying that she tried to extort money from them. Well, the band did not use the word extort. They said the band wrote that she demanded a $10 million payment. This sounds very similar to the Sony and um, Marvel, the Marvel studios negotiations for Spider-Man where whoever gets to print first and gets the dirt out there is typically who looks good or whoever has the most favor, whereas Marvel had the most favor. So they were, you know, Oh, we would love to get a deal done, but Sony is, you know, is holding things up and, it sounds like Lady Antebellum in this case is Marvel and she is Sony. And 
she might have asked for something that is absolutely fair. But Lady A Antebellum got their thing out there first, and so, yeah. And unfortunately, that happens. Um, so, guys, check out the <clears throat> Billboard article about this. They also asked her about black artists being exploited or pushed aside and why she was not, um, she's not coming off the name or, you know, let's say some kind of settlement. Uh, is Has there been any upside to her being recognized because of the lawsuit? Um, she says she has performed uh, internationally. So people know who she is. So she's not what seeing I wonder ever being famous now. If they do truly own the copyright on the name, they can, all they have to do is send a cease and desist. And that puts an end to it. If they truly do own the copyright to that name, it's as simple as that. You send a cease and desist, and if she uses the name, you just sue the pants off of her. So I wonder why they haven't. That's the real question. Why haven't they just done that? Well, they have to do that also with a gospel singer that goes by Lady A and a pop singer with the name Lady A. They got money, and apparently they're not afraid to. <laughs> well, that's to, what they to need to do. It. But are they? But can they do that and still come out and be woke? And, no, of course not. Well, no. Will they still be <laughs> like, like not looked at as bullies? That's a, and that's the thing. I don't think I think because of how this has gone, there's no way they come out looking like, especially now that she's like, I'm a small artist and this and this. And like I and, and like, honestly, now that I know that they own the name, that really does kind of change things for me. I think the reason they haven't done this is because they don't want to look like bullies. But yeah. me, if it were me. And I had the big machine behind me and I knew that I owned the name and I wanted to use it. I'm sending a cease and desist. Like I'm not going back and forth. And I know that might sound bad and it might be like, you know, the, you know, you don't care about the little guy. But like if we can't reach a negotiation, ultimately I'm just going, all right, well, I own the name and you have to stop using it if we can't come to an agreement. Because at this point now, like they're like Lady Antebellum is going to be the ones who end up looking bad over this. I can I can agree with that because uh, I I don't see how they come if they you know especially if they're coming what they've already said about her and if they come out yeah. after the other singers with the same name I don't see how they come out looking good after yeah, all that they're gonna they're gonna look bad like it and and who knows maybe what they what they are attempting to do here came from a good place but when they say that the road to hell is paved with the best intentions like. <laughs> Like you, you tried something that didn't work and now it's like you could bully your way into it, but now you'll look even worse. Um, but I mean, that's just, that's cold. That's the cold side of Ben. Some people don't really know to where it's scorched earth, man. Just it's our name. We own it. Thank you very much. And for the people who are listening, who, if you know, if you don't know much about copyright law, um, once you own something, you, you can do that. You can, you know, unless Unless um, Lady A, the blue singer, were to have worked something out with them previously, they could just send a cease and desist, and that would be the end of that, and they could sue her anytime she or anyone else used it. It would be as simple as that, but who knows? I mean, this is – I'm curious to see how this kind of plays out moving forward. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that, and this will definitely one of the topics of the, the future spinoff of this podcast – uh, did you read your contract? We're, we're yes. Um, 
I want, well, I kind of want to talk about to live quality being banned from Twitter. Um, you know who should be banned from Twitter? Nah, I ain't gonna say that. They listening. <clears throat> <laughs> okay, Lady <laughs> A, are you talking, the Lady A, the band, or Lady A, the singer? Which one are you talking? No, just play. neither. I'm talking about um, uh, first name rhymes with Ronald, last name rhymes with Rump. Oh, uh, the guy who um, who talked about the Yosemites today. The dude in the White House, the guy who said, "Did you see the interview?" I don't want to go too far off topic, but this was hilarious. Yeah, the, the, the with the Axios interview. HBO. Yeah, where he said he's done more for black people <laughs> than any other president, shy of Abraham Lincoln. And homeboy hit him with, which I would have never thought about. Lyndon Johnson, you did yeah. more than Lyndon Johnson, who passed the Civil Rights Movement, <laughs> passed the Civil <laughs> Rights Act. Act. And and Trump tried to like reason. He that tried to he say that. Yeah, more. I did more than I did more than that. You, and that that JFK that bill started that bill shot. started with JFK. Yeah, I was like JFK did more than you, and they shot him. <laughs> <laughs> like, come on, man! He really, I had to turn it off. It was too cringe. But because I knew deep down in his heart, he believed it. <laughs> but what? Uh, uh, this is one comedian I know, Chelsea Rice. He posted. Uh, he just posted Yosemites? Question mark. Like it was like instead of Yosemite. Cause he was talking about Yosemite park mm-hmm. and we put, he had Y O hyphen Semites and <laughs> I'm like, who said Yosemite? The first day I was like, I bet you the president said Yosemites. And I looked it up on Twitter and I'm like, how, how, how would this Yosemites? Oh man, um, and people are talking about that uh, Yosemite Sam's real last name is Rosenbaum. I don't know how true that is. I think they made that up. But <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, back to Talib Kweli being banned made from Twitter, uh, sending harassing messages to a woman named Maya Moody. Um, started July 9th when he responded to one of Moody's tweets and made a, a tweet about listing rappers married to black women. And she said, literally almost all of them are married to light skinned women, but that's a conversation for another day. And then he responded by saying, nah, let's have this convo today. I mean, is any of this really any of your business? So they started going back and forth. Oh boy. And then people started coming after her. He accused her of hypocrisy and sympathizing with white supremacists. And, um, uh, people started trolling her. Um, is she light skinned herself or no? I don't know. I, I haven't seen a picture of her at all. I was trying to find one. I mean, not that that matters, but I mean, this is a yet another blow up over, you know, alleged colorism, which. I mean, if you're black, you know what colorism is. If you're not, I mean, essentially colorism is what I don't want to know. I don't want to say what the ever um, the ever going struggle between dark black folks and light black folks like. And I mean, like a lot of people say that it's real. And I mean, you can kind of see, I mean, light skin um, black people are do kind of seem to get more attention um, in the media and just on TV in general. I mean, what do you what do you think about that, Greg? I'm I've. What's the question? What's your question? Colorism. Like, I, like you know, for instance, 
Matthew Knowles says that that one of the reasons that Beyonce um, just got more famous than Kelly was because she was light skinned. She's more light skinned than Kelly, and you know, and that's in the in the entertainment industry, they go towards the light skinned black person more than the dark skinned black person. And this is something that is a point of contention for dark skinned black people, especially dark skinned women. There is um, there's something to that. Um... And it, it it exists, you know, people, a lot of black people make jokes about, you know, how light skinned people are and how, mm-hmm. how light skinned people are, are sensitive and, and <laughs> super emotional and mm-hmm. dark skinned people are just hardened and, and rough and just and mean. uncouth and mean. Um, so there, there are stereotypes as jokes within black people. Um, but some, but there are people who you know tr- who harp on the the light skin thing as far as you know if a dark skin man you know has some success and he makes good money or whatever he's going to look for um a a light skinned woman or even a white woman. Mm-hmm. And some people like, you know, make that assumption a lot. And the, the, that perspective does exist. And it's, I guess it's unfortunate because, um, my, my thing is if you believe that, um, if you believe that light skinned people, that people are marrying someone light skinned, so they can be more accepted so that darker skinned person can be more accepted. Then that's a, I think that's just a myth that you've bought into that you've been brainwashed into believing. Mm-hmm. Um, now, as far as a dark skinned man marrying a white woman, um, it's kind of the same thing. <laughs> if you, if you believe in that, but, but that might also be an issue with that dark skinned man or with that black man marrying a white woman because uh he, because of what he believes in as far as with black women or someone told him that oh the black woman is just going to nag and and she's yeah. going to be in your phone all the time and and you know she's she's not somebody you want to bring around in public settings and whatever other stereotypes or whatever uh whatever hotep you've been listening to or (laughs) (laughs) or whatever your whatever team you play for or your your supervisor or the ceo of the company whatever they have been telling you about who they who they would like to see you with or who they would want around at their parties you know people buy into that um that's by the time so, you hear yeah. this first, the term hotep got dropped on by the time you hear this. I feel like I've said it before. <laughs> oh, okay. I, I feel like I've said it before. And people like that, that line from a uh, gold digger, like, you know, when he get on, he leave your ass for a white girl. People like really connected that with that. Some people, man. <laughs> and it hit people hard. It and that's what they buy people, into. Man. That was old Kanye, man. 
And be, uh, and people um, can say it about Kanye. I mean, he had uh, his when he first when he first became famous, he had a girlfriend named Alexis. And they were together for a really long time. I think they met in college or something of that effect. And then he went to uh, Amber Rose, mm-hmm. who's apparently lighter skinned. And now he's got Kim Kardashian. Who is Armenian. <laughs> Whatever uh, as, that is. As, <laughs> Donald, as Donald Glover said, the black girl of white girls. <laughs> Armenian. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Um, oh, that's funny. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know about the suspension. I, I, I don't know what, um, I think it was just people started trolling her and maybe, maybe the, I haven't, I don't see any screenshots of the messages he may have been sending that would, that would yeah, warrant this. So either. there's probably, I mean, there's probably more to this. Um, but I think there is a conversation to be had about how black people look at each other because yeah. she started this. And he finished it in a way, but it cost yeah. <laughs> it cost him his Twitter account. Yeah. Uh, let's look at the uh, charts here uh, before we get to Ben's earworm. Um, the Hot 100. Let me refresh. We got someone debuting at the number one spot. Um, the fake news. The fake news of pop music. Of pop music. I don't know if I can call her fake news anymore. Well, no. Well, everything was proven correct. Was proven was proven accurate. So she was telling the truth. Um, which I imagine. What was that Dave Chappelle um, stand up? He was like, when you when your homies accuse you of sleeping with a girl, and you're like, <laughs> I ain't sleeping with her. I ain't sleeping with her. Please believe me. Like that was probably like her kind of inside. Like I didn't tell him he could do that. I didn't tell him he could do that. Please believe me. Um, and then the receipts got dropped. <laughs> yeah. So, and on top of that, um, she comes out hard against white supremacists. She comes out hard against um, uh, politicians against LGBTQ plus rights. So, mm-hmm. um, I mean, she's, and now she drops. But okay, so the first as soon as this album came out, I was like, "This is the album that Greg and I said she was going to make eventually." It would take her a few albums to make it, but she was going to finally make the album where she went back to her quote unquote roots. <laughs> this is what she's done. Um, this is her final self album. I haven't listened to a note of the album. <laughs> uh, I I'll get some time to 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 check it out, um. But yeah, yeah she I mean, went all the way. Like she went she all this the way is, back. This is the most organic album. The most. This is, I guess, maybe the countryest album she's made. Even though I know they say folk, but sometimes I feel like folk is another word for country. Um, it's really. It's just. It's campfire music. A lot of it is campfire music. With pop sensibility, there are some there are some lyric choices that she could have um, that I could have done without. But all in all, um, it's a very real and raw album. It's it's what her fans deserve. Yeah. Um. Well, I guess for now we can call her the the folk hero of pop music. I think she's trying to be the new Stevie Nicks. Honestly, I don't know. Like she, I feel like she's gonna start walking around in a hat. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, so debuting at number one, Cardigan by Taylor Swift. Number two, Rockstar by The Baby featuring Roddy Rich. I heard this song um, yesterday. I don't care for it. I'll have to check it out. Um, <laughs> yeah, it it's one of those songs that um, maybe it was a there was a beat that was for Post Malone and he rejected it, mm-hmm. so they gave it to uh, so they gave it to the baby. Uh, number three, what's poppin'? Jack Harlow featuring the baby, Tory Lanez and Lil Wayne. Jack Harlow's been in the news this week uh, or the last couple of weeks because he took a picture with Lou Williams at Magic City when Lou Williams was not supposed to be going anywhere in public. That's how they found out. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but then he tried to say, oh, that was weeks ago. That was just, you know, but y- y'all both had on masks. I mean, come on. <laughs> no one's going to believe that. Um, number four, The One by Taylor Swift, debuting at number four. Number five, Blinding Lights by The Weeknd, debuting at number six, Exile. By Taylor Swift featuring Bon Iver. Um, that's kind of tur- stu- uh, steering me towards not listening to the album. Yeah, I don't no, know. There's something about Bon Iver Tom- is like, okay. <laughs> yeah, that's the tombra of the album. Like, it's, it's very folky. Yeah. Um, number seven, Watermelon Sugar by Harry Styles. I have not heard that song either. Number eight, Roses by St. John. Number nine, Savage Remix, Megan Thee Stallion featuring Beyonce. And number 10, Savage Love, parenthesis, Laxed Siren Beat by Josh, Josh with a W, Josh685 and Jason Derulo. I haven't heard that song. You can't just say his name, Greg. You got to say it. No. I'll I'll say the nickname that I gave him, which is Jason Computer. Oh God! I didn't know he was still in the league. Good for him, I yeah. guess. Yeah. So uh, the two Billboard 200. These are the albums uh, debuting at number one. Folklore Taylor Swift. She is the first artist to have a single and an album both debut at number one in the same week. Uh, number two, No Pressure by Logic. Apparently, this is his retirement album. Number three, Legends Never Die by Juice World. It debuted at number one last week. Number four, Shoot for the Stars, Aim for the Moon by Pop Smoke. Number five, Hamilton, uh, the Hamilton soundtrack. Uh, it's back up in the top five. Uh, as I think I mentioned before, you can watch it on Disney+. Plus. Number six, Wanna by Gunna. Number seven, My Turn by Lil Baby. Number eight, Fuck Love by The Kid Leroy. <laughs> I've never is, heard of the is, Kid Leroy. I don't know what genre this is. It has an anime style uh, cover. It could be anything. <laughs> it could be anything. Uh, number nine, Hollywood's Bleeding by Post Malone. And number 10, Fine Line by Harry Styles. All right. So the Kid Leroy is an Australian hip hop, trap, emo pop act. Take from that what you will. Okay. <laughs> anyway, uh, let's look at the Artist 100. 
Uh, I don't know the last time that someone had all three. I don't know who that would have been. Maybe Post Malone. So this is the Triple Crown, maybe? Yeah. So number one is Taylor Swift. I mean, that's something we could have predicted with her album coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, that she would be number one on this list at the very least. Um, so she's number one. Number two, he was unranked last week. Logic. <laughs> because he's retiring. Um, <laughs> number three, Juice World, who was number one last week. And he's number three this week. Number four, Pop Smoke. Um, we know why Juice World and Pop Smoke are here. Uh, yeah. number five, Harry Styles. Number six, Lil Baby. Number seven, Post Malone. Number eight, Da Baby. Number nine, Luke Combs. He's still here, <laughs> the party guy. <laughs> and number ten, The Weekend. So yeah. Um. So that'll do it for our music news. Uh, so Ben, tell us about your earworm of the week. All right. So um, there is a band called The Wildlife. I don't think they're signed by anybody. Um, I heard them on the pop rock playlist on Spotify. Uh, this song's called New Age Meds. It's really cool. I follow them on Instagram now. They've got less than 2,000 followers. And I commented that their song was like my new favorite song, hoping they would maybe say something back, but they didn't. Um, so hopefully they say something. <laughs> But I love this song. It's really, really, really good. It's just it's just a fun song. All right. This is New Age Meds by The Wildlife. And we'll be right back. by the wildlife uh spell wildlife without the eyes and uh you'll find them so you can find the bttyst airworms playlist on spotify and you can uh look at it right now and it'll be there all right uh so uh ben um selected this particular topic 
Um, and just like with uh, George Michael's Faith, I'm going, I'm listening to the album really for the first time in its entirety. <laughs> um, and we're talking about the debut album of Best New Artist winner, Bruce Hornsby and the Range, The Way It Didn't Is. Didn't get cursed. <laughs> and they did not get cursed. Um, maybe they lost popularity because um, this was the 80s and they weren't, you know, they weren't synth, synth pop. <laughs> um, you know, and, or, uh, well, they didn't really suffer the Christopher Cross issue either. Oh Lord Jesus, that's <laughs> so... that's an episode in itself right there. My goodness, put that put that on the list. Um, Yikes. So yeah, uh, but um, this was 1986. Um, Bruce Prosby in the range, the way it is, uh, to where uh, his that song in particular has lived on in mm-hmm. uh, the rap world. Yeah. Uh, uh, specifically with Tupac, uh, but also E-40 has sampled it. Um, yeah, I don't think I've heard the E-40 sample, but I know the, uh, I mean, I knew the song before the Tupac sample, but yeah. I think that helped kind of bring it to a lot of people's attention. Um, And it fits because the message in the original song and what Tupac is talking about is, you know, one and the same, essentially. Which is why it's such, in my opinion, such a really good sample. Yeah. Um, so, Ben, uh, with this particular album, what what's the first thing that sticks out to you as far as um, why you wanted to it to be a topic on this podcast? Well, mainly because I really, really like Bruce Hornsby <laughs> as a musician and as a writer, and I mean, there's no doubt that this is his most successful and known album. Scenes from the South Side, the second album, is a good album as well, but it's just not known as well as this one. Um, with that one, you've got, and I was I was even getting them kind of mixed up, um, Valley Road, which I think is a song about slavery. I'm not 100% sure, but it either it's either about slavery or about um, segregation, because there's even a line... Good enough to hire, not good enough to marry, looking on the old Valley Road. So I I thought those were the same albums, but it's not. And that's just because their sounds are similar. But um, I just I like this album. It's a really well done album. I think he's a great writer. Um, And I think he is more than just, you know, the way it is, which I can, you know, I I get it. It's fair that people would, would, you know, maybe only know that song because that was the really big one. But it's one of those albums where there's not a ton of information out there about it and it's more of just an album that you just really kind of discuss you you really just kind of look at the music on it and I, and I think the music really stands stands it stood the test of time some of it sounds a little 80s but it's still good um what's it is it mean like when I first started you know trying to do a little bit of research on this uh one it's considered rock or soft rock mm-hmm. um I don't really get anything rockish from this i mean yeah it has electric no. guitars but i don't get that feel at all of it being well, any it kind of rock album what they thought about it in the 80s maybe they're like oh man this is it's pretty heavy stuff bruce <laughs> <laughs> i mean is this something that might have been featured in the Amer on the american psycho soundtrack because he called phil <laughs> collins rock 
um, yeah. And he said uh, Huey Lewis in the news was too black sounding. Um, oh, God, yeah, he did say that. <laughs> because they like to do songs by Curtis Mayfield. They're just too black. <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of Huey Lewis, he is featured on this album. He plays the harmonica yep. on Down the Road Tonight. Um, uh, so maybe this would be too black for him as well for for yeah. Norman Bates. <laughs> I, I, yeah, this this might be too too black for uh for old Patrick. Um, so uh, this was marketed as a new age album initially. Yeah, and I could I can hear kind of some of, but not really. <laughs> <laughs> I get the feeling listening to this album. Because, like you said, they're not synth pop, so I think there might have just been some problems with how and how to market this back then. Yeah. Because um, I mean, like, so listening to a song like "Mandolin Rain," I could he- easily hear that alongside some Enya. Like I just could. Now there, I think there's more structure to that song than to an Enya song. No offense to Enya, but. You know, like if you don't know what it is, I could totally hear someone be like, oh, yeah, that's just new age. You know, it's kind of whimsical and ethereal. Do you think I feel like the percussion has a lot to do with it? Yeah, that's the other thing. There's not really any real drums used, which is really funny because like if you watch the video to the way it is, he's like playing on a drum set. But like those are not drums, which was that's the totally 80s thing. Yeah, it didn't matter what the drums actually sound like. Just give them a real drum set. Yeah. <laughs> now I will say there probably would have been, had this, had this album been made today, I think there would have been more Nashville country type musicians on it. Which there's a lot like, of country sensibility on this album. What I also found is that like Bruce Hornsby is from Virginia mm-hmm. and this album is considered the, Virginia sound yeah which I wasn't totally familiar with but I can say so I know that Dave Matthews was technically born in South Africa but he grew up and came of age in Virginia I kind of hear it live on in, in the Dave Matthews band Um, I kind of hear it yeah the Virginia sound is considered a mixture of rock jazz and bluegrass mm-hmm. um which I can I I'm I can I can understand I can understand that, um, yeah. so I don't I'm not sure if if it were made today that it would I mean maybe it'll have Nashville musicians but it wouldn't sound it wouldn't have that distinct I don't think there would be any jazz in it really. Oh well yeah well I well so when I say Nashville let me rephrase this I'm I'm more so talking about some of the alternative style stuff that's coming out of Nashville oh, like Florida Georgia Line. No, God, no. <laughs> no, this won't be this won't be like bro country, um, but it would have more because like Mandolin Rain, for instance, has been covered by a couple of country artists and it works really well as a country song because mandolin is a prominent interest, instrument in country music. And you don't even have to add a fiddle or a lap steel guitar in there to get the country sound. You just add in real drums and an acoustic guitar in, in place of the piano. And boom, you got a country song. Same thing with Every Little Kiss, which we played to open the episode. That's got a, you know, your stand, your um, a two-step essentially, a country two-step, mm-hmm. uh, and that's probably that would probably be played with a shuffle, 
if it were made today. As a matter of what am I saying? It was. I forgot about that. Um, Sarah Evans covered it. Right. And the drums right. are playing a country two-step. And she throws in fiddle and some slide guitar and stuff. Yeah, I think this... Uh, I kind of agree that if if this were... I don't know how... It, I mean, okay, yeah, it was marketed as New Age then. Today, I think it would be marketed more towards country audiences. Um, based on the subject matter... Uh, yeah. And based on the instruments used, like Mandolin Rain, I felt like this song was about a love story during the Great Depression. <laughs> I could hear that. <laughs> That's just the feeling that I got. I mean, I, I don't know all the words or anything, but I just I just made me think of, you know, Grapes of Wrath. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> where a man falls falls in love and or he wants to you know see his um uh you know the the girl left and you know she was just this free spirit or something i got I also i thought about that about every little kiss more that would probably be more like east coast like in pittsburgh or something yeah that's someone's work at the docks but yeah i mean the the, the yeah the, the album is like americana almost yeah, um, just, matter, yeah. just with uh with the drum machine isn't yeah <laughs> mm -hmm. um so yeah uh when uh i well well let's get to this and we talk about like kind of the, the deep cuts on it there there are nine songs on this album uh mm -hmm. so that means it was 80s because i you didn't have a whole <laughs> lot of songs on there and <laughs> if you were playing the, uh, playing it on a cassette the whole album had to be good uh, using yeah. the uh, the Sinbad rules, you know, if you play on the eight track, <laughs> the whole album had to be good because you couldn't fast forward or rewind. Nope. <laughs> and you could rewind with a cassette, but you wanted to only so much, man. only so much before the cassette falls apart. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, uh, so yeah, there are only nine songs. Um, the, I guess you might say his magnum opus is the way it is, uh, in mm -hmm. which what it was, um, a song about, you know, it was three very distinctive things that he wrote about in each verse. The first verse was about um, uh, homelessness. The second yeah. verse was about uh, the civil rights movement. And the third verse was about racism. Yeah. Uh, so people would just like, people are just singing along to this and, not and, knowing what and it not means. really re and it's it's not that hard it's not that hard to no, figure out what yeah, the, the song's lyrics about. aren't thinly veiled like no. it's it's right there in front of you they passed law in 64 to give us hmm, i wonder what they did in 1964 um shout out to a high school student who was like man how do i remember when the civil rights movement was passed sent a song <laughs> this had to be used in a social studies class somewhere Somewhere. I would, I would, or some kid used it as far as in in his his book report or some some special paper yeah. he had to write for for a government class. Um, but no, but you're yeah. absolutely right. It's not. It's right there in front of you. He, I mean, I'm not not to make light. He slaps you in the face with it, essentially. Yeah, um, you know, and this was a song. It was a number one song. Yeah, um, and. Uh, it's not, it's not, uh, 
I don't know. I I, I feel like um I, maybe it might have also been misinterpreted as far as well. I mean the song title the way it is. Well, hey, you know, mm-hmm. but. Uh, people don't hear the end of the of the chorus. He says, "That's just the way it is. Some things will never change. That's just the way it is." But don't you believe them? Yeah. You know, it's, it's about believing <laughs> that things can change, and maybe you can yeah. make those things change. But yeah. people just hear that's the way it is. Like that. <laughs> I mean, what if somebody used that today as like? <laughs> you know in in these times and just saying well like the bruce hornsby song says that's just the way it is and they leave it at that so you gotta think because i could hear our current president using that and i have to ask you is it as bad as when i think it was reagan or was it bush used born in the usa Uh, like is it is it better or worse because like both of those are just like (laughs) <laughs> you're just like oh these well, serve purpose no they don't serve purposes <laughs> i guess the thing is now like i feel i still think board of the usa is misinterpreted oh God, misappropriated yes. like even still today um you After know you'll, all the information you'll hear it on the it. conservative talk shows yeah <laughs> on fox News. like he wasn't taught like oh boy same thing with Pink Houses by John that. Mellencamp. Yeah. Same. Ain't that America? No. Like, it's not sarcasm. The good part. He's like, this isn't like some uplifting song. It's, it's just not. disguised as such to trick you, I guess. And that is, to me, that's the hallmark of a good writer. <laughs> Same thing here with, with Bruce Hornsby. Only thing is, other than in the chorus, he is literally slapping him in the face with it. Hey, little boy, you can't go where the others go because you, you don't look, look like they, they do. do. Ooh, <laughs> <laughs> like what? Do you, what do y'all think that is? Yeah. Oh, the boy's too tall, huh? <laughs> he's oh, too, so he he's too small. He he's he too young. He's too little. <laughs> he's, he's too tall. Duck. Duck. <laughs> That's the but. I mean, uh, it's it's one of those songs to where, you know, people can it because of how it sounds, it's easy to not pay attention to it, to not pay attention to the song meaning. Um, yeah, because it's, you know, I don't know if they're playing this in any clubs. Well, 90 clubs I would go to, but <laughs> <laughs> but um you know, just because it it's it's it has that uh, pop appeal, then mm-hmm. you know people don't really pay attention to any to the meaning that it might actually have. Back when, also, you could have um, piano solos or like instrument solos, and it didn't hurt you because there are yeah. two really good solos in this song, and it still hit number one. That don't happen nowadays. Yeah. Um, uh. And it's 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 good that it's resonated, especially in the hip hop community. No, that is, and that is pretty cool. Where it's about lyricism and saying something, um, at least some of the time. So, you know, get, having the new life, having a new life with uh, Tupac, and uh, and with E Forty, and it was also uh, sampled by 
Polo G, a song called Wishing for a Hero, which came out this year. I haven't I'm heard that, that out. Uh, so the the life of the song lives on. Um, well, like I said, I thought Mandolin Rain was about the Great Depression and Every Little Kiss <laughs> is about uh, uh, the uh, steel, steel mills or, or, or working at the docks uh, <laughs> on the East Coast um, or Longshoremen, <laughs> one of those kind of anthems. Um, what other song kind of stuck out to you from the album? Um, so my next favorite song on the album, honestly, is On the Western Skyline. I love the way it starts out. Um, it's a great song to start your album, which is something that I've been thinking about a lot more since I'm working on something of my own. Like, what should I use to start out my album? It starts out very well. starts it out energetic. Nice little guitar, little guitar lick there, and and you sometimes forget because they don't mention it very much. But you know, it was Bruce Hornsby and the Range. So I mean, there were musicians in this band that were not just session guys. It was you know, it was the band, you know. Uh, and that we was had, what, um, uh, Dave Manf- Mansfield on guitar. Dave Mansfield, who. Um... Uh, played the fiddle. Oh yeah, violin, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, played with uh, Bob Dylan and uh, the sons of Tony Bennett. Uh, played with T Bone Burnett. On the sons of Tony Bennett, like is in like Tony Bennett's real sons, or just they called themselves that? No, the, his real sons. There was a band called Quacky Duck and his Barnyard Friends. Uh, <laughs> But he's been a session musician for Johnny Cash. Uh, who else do I recognize here? Edie Brickell, Spinal Tap, Lucinda Williams, Dwight Yoakam, Loudon Wainwright. So I think uh, there's yeah. something to be said about that. And he composed the music because... for Heaven's Gate, uh, which yeah, is think... one of the biggest busts of a film. You What's Heaven's what? Gate? It was, um, it was a Western by Michael Cimino, who did... Um, what was the movie? Deer Hunter. Mm-hmm. And Deer Hunter what was his first movie. It was a huge success. It still is very popular today. But for his next movie, they gave him like total creative control. <laughs> and he tried to make this epic film about the um, like post-Civil War. But it was um, in the, you know, the Old West. And all these things kept happening. The movie's like three and a half hours long, over three and a half hours. Yikes! And it was it's it. Uh, I'm looking at it now. It cost forty four million to make, and then it only made three and a half million. And because Ooh, it was cool. such this huge bust of a film, that um, he really didn't. They really did like. Studios refused to work with him. They they did what not sucks. want him, and he basically spent the rest of his his career in obscurity. Mm. Uh, just because of like he did um, a movie called Year of the Dragon, and that was really the only uh, only movie I had heard of after Heaven's <laughs> Gate that, that he did. <laughs> um, but 
uh, David Mansfield did the score for that, and he appeared in the movie playing fiddle on roller skates. That's crazy. So, yeah. Yeah, they all started out, for the most part, as a lot of the guys in this band started out as session musicians, um, which is why if you ever get a chance to watch you know, like old videos of them playing live, they, they're tight, they're good. Uh, also um, has uh, Joe Puerta, who was part of Ambrosia, the mm-hmm. band Ambrosia, and he toured with Sheena Easton. And John Molo, the drummer, um, he... Uh, he's worked. He's worked with Bruce for a very long time. <laughs> like even still today, it looks like. Um, so he's he's done a lot of a lot of work with Bruce uh, over the course of his career. Yeah. He's yeah, but Bruce himself just like he's such a good piano player, and I think he gets kind of overlooked because he didn't have a ton of success as an artist yeah. as of being how good he is at piano and it's just you know if you ever get if anyone ever gets a chance watch him live he's phenomenal the thing that's that's, that's interesting with 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 bruce i guess with anybody who is um who's a piano player and becomes uh you know in a way a pop artist that they can't really they're like kind of expected to move away from the piano as far as their music goes um, I.e. Alicia Keys. Like Alicia Keys. Uh, John Legend is looked at that way still. Mm-hmm. Um, but we didn't see that with someone like Little Richard or Jerry Lee Lewis. Stevie Wonder. I, I mean, it's Stevie Wonder. Uh, yeah. Ray Charles. Um, but I guess because they're supposed I guess there was something else with them as far as their performance to where the piano isn't like some, it's not looked at as a crutch or some kind of impediment to their career. Uh, yeah, I think, but I think it's, it, I think like Bruce Hornsby falls in that category of, well, when are you, when are you going to like not play the piano and do a song? Like, were you expecting him to dance? <laughs> <laughs> and it's play funny the saxophone? Like, like I would, I like, you know, it's kind of weird with that. He started doing shows with Ricky Skaggs. Um, in which he was playing other instruments besides um, piano, so I guess that was his version of 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 that. But yeah, it was. <laughs> I don't know. Like, yeah, you're right. It's just like they like get by, from behind the piano. Like, no, like, because I still feel with Alicia Keys. Like, no, she's let her play piano. It's cool that she plays piano. I, I like that she plays piano. But I mean, I, I what do I know? I'm not a record exec. Clearly, it worked. <laughs> um uh this um i'm trying to see who else who worked on this who was who else is on this album that i'm that i might recognize besides um huey lewis sorry huey lewis who apparently has he has a production credit as well yeah yeah he's on there as a co-producer um Mm -hmm. Well, no, it was just the band. He was a special guest and, and did vocals. Um, so it kind of turned into to where he, um, I guess, Bruce Hornsby, like, wrote for some other people. Uh, he wrote Jacob's Ladder for Huey Lewis in the News. Mm-hmm. And their I can't version, make you love me. 
at, well, he played piano on that. He was not a co-writer, but he did play. On oh, he wasn't song. a writer. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, with Jacob's Ladder, their version and his version are like starkly different. Um, mm-hmm. They did it, you know, Huey Lewis in the news way to where it's upbeat and poppy, uh, pop rock. But um, Bruce Hornsey's version is a little, a little more subdued. Uh, and he also wrote The End of the Innocence with Don Henley. Beautiful song. And He's, he plays that at shows. Well, of course, I respect he would. <laughs> he plays that. <laughs> he, 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 and wrote he, it. he But it, like yeah. hearing that song, you, it's it like that Virginia sound, I guess, or that Bruce Hornsby sound is the, the piano with the synthesizers and a drum machine behind yeah. it. That's <laughs> yeah. the Bruce Hornsby sound. Yeah. And hearing that sound, until you hear Don Henley's voice, you you might think it's a Bruce Hornsby song. Yeah. Uh, Jacob's Ladder, not so much. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, uh, it's definitely one of those songs that are, is distinctively connected to him. Just like you, it's what it sounds like. It sounds like he, mm-hmm. it sounds like he wrote it. Um, yeah. he has a very distinctive yeah. style of playing. Yeah. Uh, I was also looking at the, uh, the all music review of the song. And oh, they love uh, the album. <laughs> <laughs> it has a, was that a four and a half out of five rating? Mm-hmm. Maybe 4.75. Um, but uh, they talked about the cover. Um, uh, they call the way it is a brave, if somewhat clumsily written attack on the heartless right wing politics of the mid 80s. Uh, as the U.S. suffered through a second Reagan administration determined to roll back civil rights gains. The bold statement and the lovely piano theme more than compensate for the awkward writing. However, making the song one of the album's most memorable, and that's saying a lot when the competition includes the engaging mandolin rain and the appealingly romantic Every Little, Every Little Kiss, uh, perhaps it shouldn't be a surprise that the music is so accomplished. Um, what do you think of that assessment? Well, it kind of goes to what we talked about where, um, cause I think some people expect lyrics to be elusive and, and, you know, and when I say elusive, like, you know, you don't just come out and say what you, what you mean. Um, and that's what he does on this song, you know, like it's the, the rhythm in which he sings it is a little weird and he doesn't use he, he doesn't use literary elements. He just says what he means. <laughs> Literally yeah. just says what he means. And I think for some people that can be a little jarring because we expect you to, you know, for instance, like how many roads must a young man cross before you call him a man? That's a song about, you know, the fact that people don't consider, um, it was, that was inspired by the civil rights movement about how, you know, we need to consider black people humans, but it's, you know, it's poetic, you know, it's not saying, why won't you call black people men? Like, it's not saying that, <laughs> but that's what he's doing on this song. He's like, you know, he's basically saying it like it is. And I think that kind of gets some people like, yeah, why didn't you say it nicer? Well, maybe he don't want to <laughs> say it nicer. 
<laughs> like you know, you know what say it nicer you... sounds like? That sounds like fight another way to protest. <laughs> yes, no, for real. It's like why can't you say it like Bob Dylan? Because if you can pretend that blowing in the wind, you know, you can pretend that blowing in the wind is not a is not a civil rights song. You can pretend that if you want. Bob Dylan would correct you, <laughs> and so would Sam Cooke when he was alive. Hence why he covered it. But um, and why you can wrote, pretend. Uh... And why he wrote Change is Gonna Come. Yeah, you know, or, uh, um, you know, all really a lot of Bob Dylan songs are protest songs, but you could pretend that they're other things. You can't pretend this is something else. You just can't. Like, it's because he slaps you in the face with it. Times there are changing. You can pretend that's, well, actually, that was pretty, that one was pretty um, matter of fact. Yeah. Um, Yeah, that was pretty matter of fact. (laughs) So at this time that this album was made, um, let's see, in 1986. So he was, he was already in his thirties when he became yeah. a star. Uh, None of them some, looked young. <laughs> well, no, not at all. But it's not something you're going to see often, as far as nah. someone in their uh, early to mid thirties uh, becoming a uh, becoming a music superstar. You know. Um, and I, I thought that was I thought that that part was interesting to me because uh, just like I said, it's something you don't see every day. Yeah, it probably is why the music was a little bit more mature as well. Yeah. Um, for a first album, you know, um, I read that the you know, there was a thought at the time that this album did not sound like their first album. It sounded like they've been doing this for a while. And yeah. to an extent, I mean, as musicians, um, they had been doing it for a while. I know Bruce Hornsby did a stint out in LA as a session musician. So they, you know, been around a lot of, you know, really good musicians and, and, and things like that. So it was like when they finally got their chance to kind of do their thing, you know, they were ready. You know, there was not ramp up time. There wasn't like, man, you know, we're nervous. Like, no, they, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if this was a very quick album to record. And I can't find a lot of information about exactly how long it took for this album to be recorded, but I imagine it was a very quick process because they're all they're all really good musicians. Uh, I, I mentioned that uh, Joe Puerta played with uh, Ambrosia. Uh, so did Bruce mm-hmm. Hornsby. He was part of Ambrosia yeah. for their last album. Um, and then when that group broke up, him and Joe Puerta uh, were or the touring band for Sheena Easton that I, I think so that was interesting. Yeah. Um, you know, being in that, in the, the pop world, but then still having your own ideas of, you know, I said that like this album is America is almost Americana. And with him being from Virginia and just, it, these are, I guess, ideas that he always had just from growing up in that area. It's kind of woke to be from Virginia, right? (laughs) (laughs) And he's from Williamsburg. Isn't Williamsburg, don't they do like, um, aren't there like, I don't want to say amusement parks, but like places you can go where people are living back in the 17th or 18th century. Uh, Isn't that in Williamsburg? I feel like that could be anywhere in (laughs) those parts. I'm not sure though. I feel like that's what happened. I mean, I know some people here. Yeah, Colonial Williamsburg. Oh, okay. Yeah. Churning butter. 
<laughs> well, they they're churning butter. Yeah, they churning butter. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Controversy LaRue. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, so, yeah, uh, uh, this album, I mean, they went on to win. He wanted to win Best New Artist. Um, which, yeah, we should do an episode just about that award. Um, yeah. But the other cat- other nominees that year were Glass Tiger, New Shoes, Simply Red, and Tim Buck Three. Tim Buck Three was the future so bright I got to wear shades. Was that them? Yeah. Okay. Uh, oh, Jesus. <laughs> man, like for them to beat Simply Red is, is like it could have been either one of them. Yeah. I wouldn't be yeah. surprised if Simply Red beat this album, but. I'm not surprised that this album beat Simply Red. Like, I, I mm-hmm. it was it was really a, t- a two horse race. I think. <laughs> yeah. New shoes. That was well, also, the other three uh, are one hit wonders, basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't even remember what New Shoes' album or top hit was. Glass Tiger was all right for a bit, but I don't remember um, New Shoes. That album song called um, "I Can't Wait." What was the name of that? I don't... Yeah, I can't wait. Do, 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 do. People thought oh. it was a black band. <laughs> they're 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 white. Yeah, they're from Portland. What? So many hip hop artists. Okay, I I would have never thought that they were. Yeah, you right. They are R and B freestyle R and B. Okay, that's crazy. I would have never guessed that. Yeah. Mm. That's such a funky song. <laughs> that, that's a that's a that's a skating rink classic. <laughs> yeah, that is. Huh? I learned something today. Okay. Much much respect. Much respect. New shoes. <laughs> um, uh, that was the only Grammy they won that year. I'm trying to see if they were nominated for anything else. Um. That year. Where's? Mm, I don't think they were um yeah i think that was it hmm all right well one for one on that (laughs) um (laughs) so overall with this album as far as like you know the piano part uh playing the piano having the synthesizers uh drum machines you know, it was kind of a, uh, it was a different approach to what eighties music sounded like at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but in today, today with the influence, I guess, on country music and on hip hop, uh, like, what do you think of the, the, uh, the, the legacy of this album? Like, how should it be viewed? Um, in the in the realm of pop music well i think it should be viewed as um an album that you can look to for for mature writing and i know he talked about how clunkily the way it is was written but the rest of that album was is you know there's a lot of really nice imagery um especially in every little kiss which is 
it's neck and neck for my favorite songs on this album between the way it is and that song. Um, for a moment it was mandolin rain, but every little kiss kind of snuck up there. Um, and every little kiss to me has some beautiful imagery and it's just so well done. But I feel that because I think there's a group of people out there who think that Bruce Hornsby is a one hit wonder. And I, and to a certain degree, I guess, comparatively, to the way it is, and even the other singles off of this, his most successful album. I know Mandolin Rain did well. Every Little Kiss didn't do as well. So I feel like it just kind of gets overlooked, and that makes me sad. I don't. I feel like it doesn't really have a big legacy, and that's why finding information on this album was hard. Because, you know, I, not to insult him and say he's a footnote in pop music history, because he's got a Grammy. He's got, I think he's got three. Yeah. As a matter of fact, he's got three Grammys. So, you know, he's definitely that's a successful career by any measure. But I just don't feel like it gets the due that it deserves. And I just don't feel that. And maybe he doesn't talk a lot about it, but it just doesn't have, an, you know, there's not a lot out there about it. Like, I feel like there should be more written about this album. But there's just not. And so I feel like it doesn't really have a legacy, which kind of makes me sad, which is also part of the reason I wanted to talk about it a bit, you know. Because it there's not a lot that has been said about it. There's a ton that's been said about the song, yeah, but not a lot that's been said about the album. I um, I do agree. It 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 probably should have more. Uh, maybe there's just not enough ears on it in some way. Uh, yeah, but it it was to me. It is an album of its time, just because of the sound. It's an album of its time, but. Yeah. Uh, as you said, the the mature songwriting and the uh, the musicianship everyone had, and you know, you, you wouldn't know that it was a debut album uh, mm-hmm. because of you know, it, and they took on some subjects into where, like, people if you pay attention to the lyrics, which apparently people do not enough, <laughs> at least not with this <laughs> album, but it sounds like. Um, it, like to me, it kind of felt like um, an American, uh, an American history lesson, a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, kind of like I said, with how every what every little kiss in Mandolin Rain specifically, what I specifically visualized with those songs, and uh, to be able to get those. To, to visualize those things, I think that's something a lot of people should be able to do when they listen to it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it, and, and with the combining a lot of genres, which I mean, how more American can you get when, you know, it's part bluegrass, it's part jazz, it's part country. Um, yeah. it's, it's part pop and rock. So, uh, some and apparently on this all music review they called it Heartland Rock, so um, <laughs> which is country that that sounds like another name for country. But the point is, yeah. um, to be able to like, uh, to have these songs and you know it it they 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 make you think a little bit and they kind of give you an idea of the that there are stories in these songs. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it, it should be, uh, 
there should be more appreciation for it. And, um, you know, it just shows that, you know, like what are, you know, if you're, if you're writing your, your first album, like, what are you going to write about? You know, I think this is about him growing up and, and what he learned and, and, and what he read about. Um, and it's, it's probably an, un, it's an underrated album about America. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's basically how I would, how I would look at it. Including one of its oldest institutions and, you know, discrimination and racism. Yeah. You know, and I'll even say it like, it's not like he didn't write this song for cred. It's never been popular to, (laughs) to sing about this type of stuff. And if it's um, something that he tried to write, then I would I would agree. If it's something that I felt like he tried to write on purpose, mm-hmm. then I would think it was clumsily written. Yeah. But it's just something that I feel like it I don't know the story of how the song was written, but it might be something that just, you know, he saw Reagan is reelected and <laughs> not this and guy stuff again. that they tried Jesus. to do and it just got him thinking. Yeah. So, so yeah. Uh, anything else you would like to add about this particular album? Not necessarily. I will say down the road tonight, the track that um, that Huey Lewis sings on is a, is a nice track. It's kind of a bluesier track. Um, not one, of course, that uh, Patrick would have liked, but <laughs> <laughs> sounds too black. But another standout from the album. You know, a lot of stand. There's some, you know, more stand. But that's one of the other ones. Because no, we've we've talked a lot, so I don't want to go too far over our time. But yeah. All right. Well, that will do it for our discussion on the way it is by Bruce Hornsby and the Range. Um, you guys should check out the album. Uh, if you're a teacher, include it in your uh, uh, American history uh, lesson plans. Specifically, I could see an track. AP history teacher using that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I would I would include it in in some way. Uh, so we'll get to my earworm of the week. Um, this artist has been on the this segment before with a song with Mark Ronson. Um, this is an artist named Yeba. I remember her. Yeah, yeah she's from West Memphis, Arkansas. Um, and it's this uh, Abby backwards, right? Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. And um, what I just read here, uh, her her vocals, her vocal stylings were inspired by the Clark sisters. Okay, interesting. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, everything she learned about singing, she got from them. Um, but this song is one of is her latest single, I believe, and it's called Distance. Um, she's coming out with an album, uh, maybe later this year, but this song came out in May and I'm not sure if the free nationals, uh, Anderson packs, uh, touring band played on it, but it sounds like it, but, uh, Mm -hmm. I really enjoyed this song. It's one of those, um, uh, neo soul sounding type of songs, um, that I uh, I really enjoyed. So, yeah. uh, so this is 
Distance by Yeba. And once it starts playing here, okay. And uh, we'll be right. Wait, no, that's not it. <laughs> okay, here we go. And uh, we'll be right back. by Yeba, currently a single. Um, That's really good. Uh, no album out yet. Sounds like um, Wolfpack almost has kind of a vintage 70s soul style to it. Yeah, I, I can hear that. Um, also a little bit of Zero Seven. I don't know if I hear that as them. well. Are they still in the league? Yes. I think they just came out. I I think they came out with a new album or a compilation album with a couple of new songs. Nice. Okay. Uh, No, they did a special edition of their album, The Garden. Okay. Um, Yeah. So basically like a remix album kind of. Yeah. Um, Oh, no, no. Live versions of their songs. So they it came out with an album where it includes live versions of the songs from the album. But anyway, um, that'll bring us to the end of the program. <laughs> so, uh, Ben, can you tell the people where we can be found? Yes, I can. Um, so we can be found. Um, where can we be found? Okay, so Facebook.com slash by the time you hear this. You can find us on the gram or Instagram at by the time you hear this. Now, and you can also email us at by the time you hear this at gmail.com. So the website is spelled with the word you, that's Y-O-U. The um, Instagram and the email, which is at gmail.com, is spelled with the letter U, and that's because we're urban. Yes, we are. Still urban. Yep. Um, 
if you would like to listen to us on the go, as as many people do listen to podcasts, um, check out some of these apps like you know, Podomatic. You can listen to um, what else is there? There's Satchel Podcast Player. There's um, why am I? I'm blanking on these. Satchel Podcast Player, TuneIn Radio, um, Auto Radio, Overcast. Um, that one on that Apple thing and Google Music. <laughs> okay, they're doing all some, right. All <laughs> the right. podcast app on Apple Music. <laughs> uh, apparently, Google's doing some reshuffling. I'll have to check that out. Um, but really, and oh, and Spotify as well. That's the big one, Spotify. Um, who I swear, it seems like they are trying to corner <laughs> the, the podcast game. Yeah. Um, they they literally try to buy the Ringer. And I mean, while they did yeah. not buy them, they're basically <laughs> getting all these exclusive podcasts. They're trying to corner. Look out for that, people. Like, they're going to start probably writing some big checks <laughs> to get exclusive content yeah, on we, their. We, um, we got to step yeah. our game up. Yeah. I mean, they're, it's crazy. Like, they're just like, and like, since they did their thing with the Ringer, like, they're just debuting all these shows. Like, Van Lathan, I think Van Lathan and Jamel Hill have a show. Oh yeah, where they uh they talk about each episode of The Wire, and yeah. he's got another one with um uh I can't remember her name Rachel Lindsay. They mm-hmm. I can't remember what it's about, but they have a a podcast together. I think that it's also Spotify exclusive. Yeah, and they're just scooping up this content like. <laughs> So look at it. Was interesting with, with, with Van Lathan. Like he got fired from TMZ and it was like, oh, they didn't have to do that to him. And he was like, uh, it's cool. I mean, I was going to leave anyway because I got something <laughs> going. And apparently he's got Spotify exclusive podcasts that that uh, that he's got uh, that he's working on. So it was yeah, no big deal for him. Of, um, <laughs> on my other one of my other favorite podcasts called The Rewatchables about higher learning, which I want to listen to. But I have not seen the movie yet. So oh, so that podcast isn't just sports movies. No, it's oh yeah, because they just did one about the Sandlot. No, they'll and do you about, told about Remember the Titans. They did one on Remember the Titans. Yeah, they did one on Remember the Titans. So they've done one. I think they've done two on Heat because apparently Bill Simmons is obsessed with Heat. Him and like half the people on there. Um, I think they did a few good men. They've done a ton of movies during the quarantine. They were doing like one every week. Mm. I think that's when they did the Remember the Titans one. Um, and I went back. That's why I went back and watched it. Just laughed and laughed. <laughs> Who was that that posted? Some of y'all don't remember having watched Remember the Titans and it shows. And you were like, "Nah, because racism ain't that cut and dry or something like that." Oh, I can't remember who posted that, but I know I said that. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, I went back and watched that movie, and there are a lot of things that we kind of just let slide as kids. That if you go back and watch that movie, you're just like, hmm. I remember watching. It wouldn't go that way. I remember watching that movie um, when I was in high school, and the football team was going to play a game. Um, They're playing Oglethorpe, Oglethorpe County, or something like that. But uh, watch that movie on the bus on the way, and the and the school got their first varsity football win that night, and. Oh, that that's what it makes me think of also but it the movie does not hold up but i know no. this is it this is a music podcast and we will talk about music movies but know this 
Remember the Titans not hold up to me. <laughs> we are all. the Titans. We are the Titans. The mighty, mighty Titans. I will say a funny bit from that podcast is when they talk about how you can instantly spot Ryan Gosling <laughs> because he's the only one with like musical and dance experience. Everyone else looks <laughs> stiff. He looks comfortable. <laughs> they had him in the front row, didn't they? I believe so. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, hey, that Gosling kid, he was, on, he was on the Mickey Mouse Club, right? Yeah, get him up front. <laughs> well, it's a Disney movie, so there you go. <laughs> yep, get him up front. <laughs> oh, man. Um, Somehow Donald Faison just can switch to defense and just become a shutdown corner. Let me stop. Let me stop. But the Let thing is... <laughs> And I, I feel like I, I I know I've mentioned this to you before. If you know about Bomani Jones's uh uh perspective of lemon booty. Yep. <laughs> Ryan Gosling got lemon booty, even though he only gave up a touchdown on the first drive of the game. He didn't give up another touchdown, but he was so he was so scared of giving up so another shook. touchdown that he wanted he asked out of the game. And like his you, father's like, boom! <laughs> like nah bro he took himself out <laughs> your son is trash <laughs> even though he only gave up with a, uh, the touchdown on the first drive he was so scared of giving up another touchdown <laughs> late in the game <laughs> he didn't want to be out so there <laughs> he didn't want to be out there oh man um, so yeah we're at the end here um, well Ben uh, what's what song should we end the podcast with uh, let's send it with the, uh, uh, let's send it. What am I thinking here? The, the, the Huey Lewis track. I lost the name of it. I can't remember of it. Down the um, road tonight. Yeah. Down the road tonight. Yeah. The bluesy one. Yeah. It has a blues shuffle. All right. So we're going to end the podcast here. This episode with down the road tonight, which features Huey Lewis in the news. Um, thank you all for listening. And we'll talk to you very, very soon. Peace. Peace.